Salutations, listeners. See Valus Faleo. Baller Magulus. Nanu Nanu. Fuck, we did it again. Yeah, we did. That's all right. Yeah, we did, baby. That's good. Thank you for tuning in. This is Three Men in a Basement, and we are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Michael. Action Jackson. Xmas Flaxen Jackson Waxen. That's what I hear. In this podcast, we review movies, and we deliver to you, the listener, an average schmuck's opinion about hidden gems in the wild world of cinema. Allegedly. Allegedly. We're not... I wouldn't, like, stake my reputation on this. I do have my lawyer present. Hello. Mark, you're a lawyer. Today. (laughs) As my chief legal counsel, I say, allegedly. Yeah. I'm more of, like, a tribe member legal counsel, not quite a chief yet. Yes. I don't know what that means, but... It sounded very official, so... Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative. I'm good with the bars. (laughs) I'm not skating to any song that has references to Lady Humps. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Uh, Back on track-ish. Back on uh, the track of movies. Back on path. In the show, try and target movies that are not total blockbuster smashes. We also aim for ones that are not so obscure that you couldn't get your hands on a copy even if you wanted to. Instead, we like to go for that delightful sweet spot right in the middle. Uh, Movies that... Hopefully you've heard of, maybe you haven't, ones that maybe you've seen and forgotten about. Things that we like to dust off of its obscurity mm. on the shelf of life. Stretch it out, give it for you. Yeah, kind of like, you know, stretch it, hold it up to a, a light source and peer through it like a window pane. Like an x-ray. Like an x-ray. Or a y-way. Z-way. Mm. And uh, we deliver... Z-way is the best way. It is the way. <laughs> the way. Uh, I we deliver to you our opinion about whether or not you should see these movies as well. Sometimes you shouldn't. No, it happens. It happens. So, in this week's episode, we reviewed the movie... Uh, Adventures in the Babysitting. <laughs> you went full Casanova Frankenstein yes. again. I love it. Adventures in Babysitting. Fucking Adventures in Babysitting. Oh my yeah, god. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, I know we, we kind of want to like establish this right off the, right off the bat. Uh, I've absolutely heard of this movie but uh i had not seen it actually before tonight see that actually like that surprises me because i so I've, I've seen this movie i honestly cannot count the number of times i've seen this movie it's one of those movies that like was a a mainstay a feature of my childhood i watched it many times every year and i think i made like a probably poor assumption that everybody was that way or at least everybody my age was that way but i do think even with mark having not seen it this movie is among our better-known movies. I would agree. I mean, I saw this movie back in, like, middle school, I think it was. So it's it's probably been about 20 years since I've seen it, but I love this movie. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, okay, so you know what the hell we're talking about, Adventures in Babysitting. 1987 movie, rated PG-13. Yeah. 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 Yep. yep. That's I think it's, uh, it's a perfect rating. Um... One hour and forty-two minutes. I think this movie. It, I, I think I think it moves faster than that. It does. I mean, I, yeah, this this movie takes well. off at a clip. Yeah. So so the I think you know sort of getting into genres. I think will explain why I think it goes at a little bit greater of a clip than your average flick. Uh, so genres adventure, as you can imagine, adventures and babysitting easily. Comedy, yes. Crime, sure. Romance, mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. Romance and crime, or maybe you know like uh, more. Uh, backseat aspects of of the genres. Yeah. Um, I would also... And, okay, this is PG-13. There are some very adult concepts in this movie. There are two very strong F-bombs dropped. But I would... I I will stake my reputation that this would... I would consider this a family movie. 
I wouldn't watch it with, like, a five-year-old. But, like, when your kids get, like, you know, 8, 10, 12, something like that, I think most of the adult shit is going to go over their head, or they're going to be like, oh, that's a reference to something that I don't understand, and they're going to ignore it, uh, as I did when I was a kid. Yeah. Um... Like I said, I saw this movie when I was, like, 10 or 12. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's very parent-dependent. There's probably a lot of parents, like, who would, you know, God forbid, like, watch this with their kids and, like, come at me and be like, why the fuck did you say that? Watch this with my family. <laughs> <laughs> there were references to boobs. I don't think, I don't think the people <laughs> of this podcast are going to do that. I, I You know what? You're probably right. Um, but I will say it's like a like an '80s PG-13 too. So like some of the some of the humor is dated, you know. Like it's not the kind of humor, or a lot of the humor isn't the kind of humor that you would see nowadays. I think there are certain certain folks out there that might be particularly sensitive, maybe to, to some of the jokes. They might feel like they're crass. But no, I, I would agree. It definitely has that like Ferris Bueller. Yeah, it's just got that like '80s kind of vibe like hocus pocus kind of yeah and as for the, the crass humor i think like even in co- in context in the movie it was meant to be crass like it was meant yeah. to be like you know oh come on that's offensive you know kind of right. shit so what i was saying earlier about like why this movie seems to move at a clip is i personally feel like proper adventure movies always move fast oh yeah as they should because the idea of an adventure movie typically is you're going from one absolutely just banana scenario to the next possibly even crazier scenario. My classic adventure movies are always the Indiana Jones franchise and yep. the Goonies. And the Mummy. The mummy. Oh, the Mummy. The yes. Mummy's oh action adventure just like... But that's just it, right? Is like when one scene and crazy scenario ends, they've already entered the next crazy shit, and that's a that's a great way to move a movie. Oh right? yeah, you're not having characters sit in the same space setting. They're not just letting the goopa doop sit. No, you don't no. let the goopa doop sit. No, We've never. established that if you let the goopa doop sit, kind of your responsibility. You won't get that smell out. You're gonna have a bad time. You're gonna have a bad yeah, time. No, a proper like adventure movie, like the characters are fleshed out, not through like their like it's it's a different kind of fleshing out of character you get to like understand them in an abstract way because you just see these character kind of characters bump into these kind of wild situations and scenes and you get to you get a feel for who they are just because of the extremes that they're put through so i will use this description like constantly i'm sure throughout this so just like forgive me but like this movie is so charming it's so charming and delightful i fucking i love how wholesome this movie is and one of the many, many charming aspects of this movie is I love the fact that, like, it's called Adventures in Babysitting, and it is straight up a true, like, dyed-in-the-wool adventure film. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate that, that it's not like we called it Adventures in Babysitting, and it's like a fucking rom-com. It's not. No. It's an adventure movie. Yeah, but it's still <laughs> grounded in reality. You know, a lot of times when you hear the word adventure, you know, you think almost like a fantasy. It's not a fantasy, but the characters throughout are caricatures in in just various contexts yeah uh all right so description of this movie what do we got all right we got uh, a babysitter must battle her way through the big city after being stranded there with the kids she's looking after yeah that's the that's the bare bones of it the wire framing yeah um who, who directed this movie chris columbus dude motherfucking chris columbus what a baller didn't right? he found america I think huh? he did. Yeah, he's the guy who founded America, right? Yeah. He must have been old as shit yeah. when he directed this. Yeah. Dude, what a career, though. Like, you at know? least 500 years old. Yeah, I know. It's like, the ocean blue, fucking a movie? landed in Cuba, 
committed genocide, directed Home Alone. Yeah. Like, I mean, these are, these are like big bullet points on his resume. Right. Absolutely. The multitasking, you know, just the drive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how did he have time to come up with the script while he was displacing all of the Native Americans? And that's, that's the, that's the mystery to his genius. That's fair. So. I honestly, I heard he has, he's got a, he's got a ghostwriter. He's got a, he's got a scriptwriter. That's, you know what? That would make a to, lot more sense. I don't mean to detract that's, that's from the man's just... you know accomplishments, mm. such as committing heinous amounts of genocide in in the Americas yeah. and and you know uh, taking people as slaves back to Europe. But I did hear that he he may not have written all of his own screenplays. You know, fake news. That makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, how else could you found a country without actually knowing where you were and call it by the wrong name? I mean, that's what I learned. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. So makes it real. Uh, Chris Columbus, uh, fucking baller director. Absolutely. Uh, Home, Home Alone <laughs> is you know all uh, jokes aside the, the first like... the first Harry Potter film. Yeah. Did he really? Oh yeah. Uh, actually, first and second. Uh, directed The Help, Rent. I mean, Jesus Christ. He just. Well, he's bigger than any of the actors are in this movie. Oh, easily. I think the only one that contests you, him you, might be the star of the you film. Hold your tongue, sir. <laughs> Because Elizabeth Shue. Oh, God, Elizabeth Shue. What a babe. Born in 1963 and still running strong. Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue. She's like, she's the whole package. You know know the phrase, if the shoe fits? That was based off of her. It was. Yeah. No, it absolutely was. And the the joke of it is... She fits everyone that because was the, she's that, everyone's type. That I always was, thought it was a footwear thing. No, 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 no. That was the joke was in like the, the mid-80s. Yeah. They were just like, Elizabeth Shue is so incredible. She's such an amazing actress. She's a kind and, and loving person. She's also drop-dead gorgeous. What roles should we put her in? And the joke was, well, you could put her in any role. Because and if they, the shoe Because fits. if the shoe fits. Right, right. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm learning something. I'm learning something. Yeah. You know, I, I should have seen this movie earlier. But oh my god, what a babe! Yeah, oh, I mean, just <laughs> drop dead gorgeous, but also like an absolutely just monumental talent. Yeah, I mean, she is such a great. Even in this movie, where like she's, I mean, she's not. She plays seventeen. She's not seventeen, but like, good god, she is. She's young and she like just overflowing with talent like the whole vibe that i was getting from her specifically from this movie was like alicia silverstone meets meg ryan so combine the acting talent and the star power of both of them multiply it times 10 and then add like two to the hotness factor (laughs) and you've got elizabeth shoe yeah but what do the shoulder pads add oh at least five five points for the shoulder pads yeah you know we need to bring those back i agree shoulder pads i don't know if I'm on board with this. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> what about... What, how do you feel about knee pads? Ooh. Ooh. Knee pads, I'm indifferent to... I'm going south. I always go south. Leg, leg warmers. Ooh. I mm. could get behind that. Mm. And I, I, didn't, I didn't actually come down on a position, you see. Yeah, but he's... I just said he's leg warmers. here for the conversation. I am. You want to talk leg warmers? I mean, Jackson lived a whole life. I, I got skinny legs. I could use some leg warmers. I'm just saying. Right. I mean, Left. you know, up or down. Uh, but Elizabeth Shue, you know her, you love her. If you don't, I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you too. Karate Kid, she was also in Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, she plays a uh, Daniel LaRusso, uh, Ralph Macho's character in Karate Kid, plays his love interest, and then reprised her role briefly in Cobra Kai. Uh, she was in Death Wish. Yeah, she is in... She's all over. I she mean, is. she's everywhere. 
did I say leaving Las Vegas? Yeah. Also, her role in Sirens. And then, obviously, Back to the Future Part 2 and 3. Yes! Which was another sort of just fantastic. Who else was in this? Who else we got? We got Anthony Rapp, who you might not know by name, but he but was... But you know him from his rap. I mean, his rep. Rep. Rep yes. sheet. Yes. Uh, he was in Rent. He played Mark Cohen in Rent. He was also Tony in Dazed and Confused, the kind of like... Fucking pa- great movie. Pasty white neurotic guy who, like... I mean, that having fits most of the characters in that movie. Having, but... like, sex dreams about Abe Lincoln. Oh, yeah. that was That's pretty niche. That I don't, I don't think that fits, that fits yeah. most characters. Haven't we all? He's also in A Beautiful Mind. He plays one of uh, John Nash's contemporaries, let's say. Yeah. Uh, ooh, we also had Vincent D'Onofrio. You might know him. Possibly. He, Possibly. He has forever, in my mind, just been locked into his role in Full Metal Jacket. Absolutely. You know? You know what's funny is, like, I've seen Full Metal Jacket a number of times, but when I think of Vincent D'Onofrio, I, the first role that actually always comes to my mind is The Cell with Jennifer Lopez, which oh, is also yeah. also on our list. Yeah. He plays the, the serial killer in that, and I just, like, it's the first thing that comes into my mind when I hear his name. And then he was also um, Edgar in Men in Black. Edgar, your skin is hanging off your bones. Get your big butt back in the house. Oh, there, is that better? Oh, fuck. <laughs> so good. And that was like the only point in the in the in in Men in Black when he actually looked like Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah. Another one you might know is uh, Bradley Whitford. So to me, Bradley Whitford will always be Sam from West Wing. I totally understand and appreciate. That that is your position. But I never really watched The West Wing, even though I know he was in it. Oh, yeah. So for me, he will live and die as Eric from Billy Madison. The, the <laughs> fucking, the, the like, dwee, uh, like the, like, the twerpy uh, a guy who's trying to take his dad's company oh, and yeah. tries to sabotage Billy. I will. I, he will always be that guy. So he this, was also in Get Out. Yes. He plays the father in Get Out. The guy who's like, I would have voted for Obama for a third term if he had run or something like he that. He was also in Parks and Rec. He was the councilman that was obsessed with ships in a bottle. The, the one that she ended up ultimately replacing on the city <laughs> yes. council. Yeah. yeah, so good. Uh, and then the, the the last one, George Newbern. I never would have been able to give you his name, but no. if you've ever, if you're a fan, and I am like a big, big, big fan of the Father of the Bride franchise. He plays the love interest of Steve Martin's daughter, right? The guy who's actually, like, in the first movie, marrying his daughter, and in the second movie is the father of his right. soon-to-be grandchild. Uh, okay, so would we recommend this movie? I think we already kind of, like... Uh, I would absolutely recommend Fucking this movie. to anybody. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely, I think, like a no-holds-barred. Yeah. This is a good no-holds-barred. If like, someone were looking for a fun movie to watch, I mean, this would be one of the top of the list. Like, classic movie, it's funny, it's engaging, it's... Charming? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I'm going to keep saying this. Absolutely. It's, it's like, so Like, charming. if you're looking for just a, a, an innocent movie to watch, this is absolutely right up there. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just it's just fun all around like, there's really nothing like offensive about the movie. There are a couple part, a yeah. couple points that maybe didn't age so well. But if you want, if you want to try to get your knickers in a twist about this movie, you pro- you can probably manage it. But any movie at that time, you can. Though. Yeah, I'm gonna sit Anything here. Anything made in 1987, you can poke a hole. In. Yeah, I'm gonna sit here and say, I'm sorry. There's no manager 
or I'm the manager. Yep. <laughs> like you're sorry, you're, Karen. Sorry, Karen. Like stop, stop fucking fussing. Like it's a fun movie. I want that on a t-shirt. Sorry, a Karen. Thing. Stop fucking fussing. <laughs> yeah, I'd wear it. Um, so that's three wrecks around. Three wrecks around. Uh, right. So next question is are we ready to i don't know mark are we ready for we are ready for a but i would like to offer up this little boy here it comes that even well, that make it on the mic? sexy. <laughs> God, he went like sweet daddy D on that us. That was like Thank wet. You. I wrapped my and lungs so in lace. Now. 101.5. <laughs> w love. Jesus. Oh, baby. W C L A L. I'm going to have to clean off my Clay. microphone. <laughs> well, Musty. Well, maybe maybe some people like a little stink on it. Oh, mm-hmm. there he threw know. the stank on that. Drop that stank. I'm not complaining though. I mean, I, no, I, I never. Was, I was into it. I'm yeah. Just, I'm just I'm just putting out the facts. I was the one who was actually into. Or it. was the mic into you? Well, was that was that a recording of of Mark's colon? Lady, I may have been. Lady never tells. I'm gonna back away from the mic so I don't get any secondhand nonsense there. You yeah, want, no, you, that's the you, well. You, you get, you the get too close to that. You get the goopa doop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody want that. Nobody wants the goopadoo. Just ask Mike Tyson. How does this movie start? Starts with she's prepping for a date. Yeah, yeah. And there's a classic song oh, playing, yeah. and she's just singing along and putting on her skirt and getting all is that, gussied is that, up. Is yeah, that song Vivaldi? It, for sure. Is that song actually? And then he kissed me. Is that is that the actual name I'm of that song? Fairly certain it is. And then he kissed me. It is honestly one of the greatest both intros, but also sort of like musical montage sequences, in my opinion, from the eighties. It opens literally with Elizabeth Shue dancing around her room, getting ready for a date. She's clearly very excited about using every pointy object in the room as a microphone. Yes, yes um, you do, except for a knife brush. Uh, I didn't see any knife brush. No well, stiletto she's a, brushes. Because she's a reasonable consumer and she doesn't buy knife brushes. No brush kebabs. Uh, God, <laughs> slither. Uh, <laughs> Gross. But she's getting really jazzed about this date. Um, As we all do. Yeah, I've been known to circa 20 years ago. <laughs> I went on a date just the other day uh, with my wife. W- well, yeah. Yeah. Did you dance around your room too? And, I did. And then you kissed I me? did. And she was looking at me with the weirdest look on her face like, who the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. And why Why are you doing this? And I just said, sit back and relax, baby. Enjoy it. Did she show up at your door and say that her little sister was sick and she can't go on the date with you? She has once, but to be fair, it was true. Because that's what happened in the movie. Right. With the dweeby fellow. What's his name? Uh, it's not. Bradley Whitford. <laughs> yeah, it's not Todd, but like, for all intents and purposes, uh, it's a Todd. Mike Toddwell. Oh, really? Yep. Well, Mike Toddwell. They had to fit a Todd in there. Bradley Whitford. For oh, sure, Mike Todd. Mike Toddwell was this character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Okay, so Todd, bit of a D bag. Mike. Mike, Mike Todd. Todd, Mike. Mike Todd. That's both were pretty fitting. Yep. Fair. Um, she's disappointed, obviously, and then, like, within five minutes, her mother reaches out or something and, and, and lets yeah, her know that there's, uh, somebody else needs a babysitter. Yeah, a call comes in, and, like, yeah. it's like, hey, so-and-so from down the street needs a babysitter, can you the do Andersons. it? The Andersons. The Andersons. The Andersons. Mr. Anderson. The Andersons. The Andersons. Okay, I'm not gonna, like, go hard on new band name, I call it, but... 
the Andersons were definitely like a family quintet in the 1970s yeah. that performed on variety shows. The Anderson sisters were a duet that performed at the USO oh. in like 1940. Yeah, I actually knew that somehow. Why are you guys looking at me? <laughs> well, you didn't add to the Anderson oh, sister uh, trivia. Fascinating. Yeah, that's that's there we go. That's all, that's we, a fascinating, that's all we were looking for. Fascinating Colin, factoid. Is it too much to ask for a little participation? God damn it! Rude. I when I bring up learned facts, something today. <laughs> that's all we asked for. It's patronizing. Jeez. Um. Okay. So, uh, babies. So <laughs> they went. Uh, so there's a, there's a tiny bit of exposition uh, when her mom comes in to tell her about the babysitting job with her best friend Brenda, who's sitting on the bed with her after she gets like sort of stood up for not stood up but uh, plans canceled for this date, and basically it, it gets revealed that Brenda hates her parents um, and actually up to and even including uh, threatening to sp- I don't know it was a mom or stepmom spike her tab with Drano. <laughs> Yeah, classic. And so clearly there's friction at home. Chris. Chris Parker. Pre- presumably short for Christine, played by Elizabeth Shue. She decides to babysit. Brenda leaves. She goes to the Andersons. So they're they're going out for a party. The, the parents are. They'll be back at 1 a.m. They, they make sure they, they mention that. Kind of give them just some basic instruction here. And make sure, uh, you know, the girl gets... Or cough syrup or make whatever. Make sure Brad doesn't eat any chocolate on yeah. account of his acne. Yep. And make yeah, sure so that Sarah doesn't uh, skip her cough medicine because she has a bit of a cold. A little bit. So there are two kids. Sarah is, what, 10? Maybe. 8? 10? 8 or 10, yeah. <clears throat> um, 9. Could be 9. Could be 9. Let's split the difference. We'll say 9. Yeah, eight, 9. 9 or 10? She's uh, a 9-year-old. It's funny. Like, it's, you don't want to guess an odd number for some reason unless it's 5. Right. Like, you, you will guess 1, 5... 15 but it's you like don't with the volume knob it has to either be an even yep. number or a multiple of five yep so she is eight or ten meaning she's very likely nine yeah and um brad uh the boy is 15 and the you get the sense that like he's right on the cusp of like um, manhood well manhood certainly but uh he's right on the cusp of like the babysitter is not for him it's for her it's for the girl and but they don't feel comfortable leaving him there alone until 1 a.m. But also the babysitter is for him. Oh, he, he is quite is infatuated. taken with her. <laughs> Which, He's who, who wouldn't be? I would be. I mean, I, if the shoe fits, you know? If the shoe fits. Wear it. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. That one got me. <laughs> okay, so babysitter shows up, parents leave, boom, there's a knock at the door. It's Daryl. Fucking Daryl. Daryl, played by Anthony Rapp, the fellow from, like, Days and Confused and, and Rent and all that. He is... A, a pervert. A, a pervert. Also a goober. Yes. I, he, Kids going to prison. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't exactly sure. call him a, a big, dumb bohunk, but he's... He's a little dumbo. He's a little dumbo hunk. That's yeah. it. That's what it is. He's a little dumbo hunk. Yeah, he's the comic relief. He's necessary. He is. He's also like super pervy. Um, yeah, he's like Ron Weasley's like second cousin. That like he's like Ron doesn't... Weasley and Ron Jeremy put together. Oh, oh God! Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with a little bit of Ron White thrown in. Maybe, maybe. yeah. A so... that I could ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's nasty. <laughs> uh, Wingardium Leviosa. Okay, one, two, 
boom. Buckle my shoe. <laughs> he, said, he said boom. I thought he was going to say buckle my shoe. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Brenda calls. Brenda calls. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, Chris, I'm I'm downtown. I ran away from my parents. I did it. She says, I did it. Yeah. And then Chris says, you she's spiked your tab it. with Drano? No, worse. Oh, but it's great. When she's when she's on the phone with her, she's in a, in a pay phone. Obviously, this is the 80s. Nobody has a cell phone. But there's this, like, homeless man who is trying to get into the phone booth because he's got his, like, pair of slippers in there. Oh, my God. It was, like, it was so there's hilarious. There's slippers in a can of Spam. and <laughs> Yeah, at this point, the movie kind of, like, shifts tone a little bit. And it almost becomes... It's not a cartoon, obviously, but, like the the characters that you see downtown are are cartoonish in nature you know they're all super exaggerated like kind of from this point forward you know it's kind of the beginning of the adventure they haven't mm-hmm. they haven't left home yet but i think the adventure really kind of starts here when they yeah. start this is the call characters. to action the yeah. quite literal like the, the telephone call to action yeah and and mark undersold brenda's hysteria <laughs> mark oh is my like God, she's Bre- screaming brenda, brenda called and she's like i'm at the bus station and I would like you to pick me up. <laughs> no, she swears she's going to die. There's a dude with a gun who's making manic faces at her. To be fair, I also would think I was going to die if a man in a trench coat, like, in a crazy look and a disheveled whips features. Whips out a gun and smiles at you. Whips out a gun. Like, not only whips it out, but, like, pulls it out from underneath his trench coat, clearly to show it to me, and then makes a, oh, yeah, face. Oh, it's That's, it's definitely a like a, a penis flasher just with a gun. That's exactly what it is. You're yeah. right. It is it is exactly the motion or the the circumstance that you would find somebody flashing with, like, a it's long a trench coat. It's a caliber phallus. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yuck. And his creepy Stupid smile. Stupid name I call it. <laughs> 38 caliber phallus. Yes. That's hard rock. Uh, nope. Set that's rocks. Cold Steel. <laughs> that okay. Cold Steel is their number one hit single. Uh, so at this point, she realizes she needs to say Brenda. She's kind of panicking a little bit. She kind of does this throughout the movie where she's just pacing back and forth trying to like make sense of the, her predicament. Through a little bit of back and forth, she ends up throwing the kids plus Daryl in the car. They head downtown. They are not supposed to go downtown. So this is very hush-hush. There's a, there's a lot that happens that's sort of like relevant to later events in the film. Daryl brings a playboy that has a centerfold that looks exactly like Elizabeth Shue. Miss March. Ooh. Shailene. 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 a bunch of perverted drags over here. <laughs> hey, they reproduce asexually. That's, that's fine. That's true. So the playboy ends up getting tossed out the window. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Shue's character, is, Chris, is telling a ghost story about a psycho killer who scrapes off people's faces with a hook hand. And then immediately their tire blows out and they end up on the side of the freeway in like, you know, the just like outskirts of right Chicago. Right outside of downtown Chicago. Yeah, right outside like the the high rises in Chicago. And handsome J.B. Pruitt shows up. Yeah. J.B. Pruitt. For a hand. Tow truck driver. Shows up. Gives him a wave with his... Uh, Excuse me. Tow truck driver extraordinary. Oh, absolutely. Like, he's got a J.P. in, like, Christmas lights emblazoned on the front of his truck. Mm-hmm. His hood ornament has, like his last name spelled out like it's it's a whole thing of beauty pretty solid his hood ornament has hood ornaments yes so uh it's sort of established that not only does she have a flat tire but she also left her purse back at the house so they've got no money 
Or ID. Yeah. But anyhow, she communicates that to JP. Handsome JP Pruitt. Yes, yes. They're in the car. He gets a phone call. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, over the radio, the CB radio. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I'm like thinking, it gets a phone call, they don't have phones, cell phones. But uh, yeah, over the radio, gets word that there's a car in front of his house. And he it, knows what car it is. Yeah. 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 We and all, we all, we, we know. We know who it is. It's the man playing hide the salami with his wife. Mm-hmm. Lost it. And <laughs> lost it. I can't find it. <laughs> Where'd it go? That's never good. That's never good. Don't, no. don't do that. Genuine concern. Uh, uh, so he fucking, like, sees Red and just starts driving like a fucking maniac towards his house. Nothing that the babysitter or the kids are saying is registering for him, and he is just fucking screaming down the road. Oh, he's hightailing it. Uh, it. Before all of this happened, he told them that he lost his hand by an 18-wheeler after a jack gave out. It fucking landed on his hand and popped it off, and then he kept it in the glove compartment. And um, they opened that glove compartment, and what do they find? A hand. Gun. <laughs> <laughs> that was more clever than I anticipated. <laughs> that got me. <laughs> that got me. Uh, I've been sitting on that for the whole movie. Yeah, so he's he's got a gun, like a little snubdose revolver, and uh, he fucking, like, literally, like, parks on his fucking lawn, runs into the house. Start shooting! And yeah, you hear, like, gunshots going off, punches being thrown... This fucking guy gets thrown through the goddamn window in the front. It's not J.B. Pruitt. He was doing the throwing. This dude is like... Defenestrating. Yeah. This dude is trying to like zip up his pants after being defenestrated. And the gun is going off. The wife is trying to stop J.B. from shooting this fella. Don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. Uh, He's not going to hurt him. He's going to fucking kill him. A bullet goes through their car windshield, so now the car has a blown tire and a windshield with a bullet hole. Yeah. Also, one hits the side of the truck that they're in, and so they decide to get out of the truck. They find a car on the opposite side of the road, and the guy who was doing the porking, the pork dumpling guy, he is running towards the car, so they decide to get in the car, and they go to lock the car doors, and they all lock simultaneously, and up pops Joe. Yeah. Joe Gipp. And Joe is a good fella. He's the the kindest car thief you'd ever hope if to meet. If anyone were to steal my car, I'd want it to be Joe. Honestly, I'd want it to be Joe, too. Yeah. I yeah. Joe could steal me. I'd yeah, be I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine. I'd be, I literally, like, if I was just sitting on my couch and, like, Joe came in, picked me up, I was like, I'm stealing you. Yeah, he stole my heart. He's like, cool. all right. All right, let's go. Where, where are we going? Where, where are we going, Joe? We're going to a chop shop downtown? We're going to a chop shop downtown. You going to take my take my kidney? So, where did I'm they not using where, it. Where did they go? To a shop shop downtown. A shop shop. Shop shop. A shop shop. Chop, 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 yep. So, chop, chop, chop. And it's so funny. He like <laughs> rolls up, hits a button, and this like, you know, the garage door opens up, and there's just like sparks like coming out. Like, they're very like classic 80s chop shop oh, yeah. imagery. Yeah. On their way there, I love, she's like, could you just like pull over to the next corner and let us out, please? And this is sort of the way they explain away why Joe did not drop them off immediately. He just goes, in this neighborhood, I wouldn't get out of the car in this neighborhood. <laughs> I fucking love that line so much because it's so like, oh, you are in the shit right now. Like, you are literally safer coming with me with to, a my, thief. to my organized crime syndicate's home headquarters than getting out of the fucking car in this neighborhood. <laughs> yep. yep. 
So that's what they do. They they head straight to the chop shop, pull in. The administrators of said chop shop are a little frustrated, perhaps, that Joe brings back a whole bushel of children. My favorite line in this whole scene is that the underboss, if you will. Yeah, second in uh, command. Yeah. He's asking Joe about, you know, the car. And he's like, any defects? And he goes, uh, yeah, there were a few. And that's when the kids get out of the car, and it's very clear. I fucking love it when he, he just, like, hauls off and punches Joe. And, yep. like, he realizes the situation. He's like, you brought him to our shop. Like, you fucking, like, they could go to the cops. They know where our operation is. He just hauls off and punches him. And then Joe just goes, like, God, dude. He's like, damn it, man. Like, don't hold back. Like, like, tell me. You know, what do you say? Don't hold it in. Show me you're upset or something like that yeah (laughs) Yeah, no it was was a good it was a good little quip so the children are sent up into an upstairs office by the big boss they say you know they're gonna they're gonna finish up their meeting and deal with them later who like is just the most evil guy i've ever seen dude by far he was cast so well he's like as far as movie villains go this is not the guy who would pop into my head but if if i had him on a sheet right and i had him in my head i'd be like fucking this guy this is this is one of the best like your head goes to like the big villains right but like no he's right up there with face melting nazis he is he is and he's got this voice that's just like take the brady bunch upstairs and you're just like oh my god this guy's gonna kill it's like it's like this guy was like a smoker for like 40 years quit and then just started like holding sand in his mouth yeah yeah he's like take the brady bunch upstairs and we'll when we're, we'll deal with him after the meeting. Yeah, and he's like he's got these like really sort of sharp features, and he's got these expressions that are just like he, the guy has no expression that is not like at least menacing eighty to eighty five percent vitriol. Yeah, like like this guy knows nothing but fucking like rancor and hate. But he's, <laughs> like you could you could stop and ask this guy for directions, and he would just look at you and go directions directions. And you're just like, and you're just like, oh, I don't need directions. In fact, you can have my car. I am sorry, sir. But what's I, funny I'm is, like, physically, he was not intimidating. Like, no. He wasn't like a large, large person. He just, just like a shriveled up weasel of a man. But, yeah. Like, just intimidating in his like but he's such repugnance. A, yeah, he's such a great actor because he's like, he literally carried around with him this air of like, this dude, this dude kills people. Yeah, like this dude. Yeah, this dude's just all Actually, bad. This dude doesn't kill people anymore. He has people do it for him. That's right. how bad I, this that, guy is. Yeah, I should have clarified. That's what I mean. It's like this dude. <laughs> this dude just gives orders for people to die. Yeah. Yep. 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 So they end up kind of breaking out of the office, more or less. They they look up to the ceiling and they see there's like a, a loose vent. They crawl up out of that and they end up getting up onto the roof of the shop. Oh, but as they're leaving, Daryl, who's a pervert through and through, sees <laughs> just a random playboy sitting on, on the, the desk. The exact same issue that was thrown out the window, and he's like, ah, yes, it's my chance to reclaim what was lost. No, this, this is a big issue. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like it it's, really it's is. It's the March issue. Yeah. It was on billboards? Like, oh, yeah. yeah right. It's weird. I've seen a lot of things in my life. A billboard advertisement for Playboy magazine not among them. Nope. Yeah, a little atypical. Yeah. Uh, so... But, yeah, he lifts this Playboy, and he stole it to replace the one that had been thrown out the window on the freeway earlier, and almost immediately we learn that the Playboy was actually kind of significant because it actually had notes for this meeting that all of the big bad baddies were having down there, and so they go up to, like, get the Playboy that had these notes, 
It had all the details of the Pittsburgh order. That could put us away for 20 years. It's exactly how we said it. (laughs) It's just, it's the exact amount of just like fucking, I don't want to call it cheese, but like, for lack of a better term, like 80s cheese that you want. Like, it's just, it's not over the top. It's right up to the top. Yeah. And you're just like, God damn it, this movie is it's, fucking it's perfect. It's like that. It's it's like when you order a beer and they fill it all the way to the rim and the head is just coming right over the top, but not a drop spills mm-hmm. over. It's like, ah. It's kind of reminded me of uh, What's Her Face from Monsters, Inc., you know? Roz. Mike, Mike Wazowski. Late again, Wazowski. You forgot to turn in your paperwork. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was that voice. One of these days, Wazowski. <laughs> All right. One of these days. So they're running. So they you get. You quote that movie forever. Oh, no. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> Uh, so they end up getting out this window, but basically by the time they get down the fire escape into the alley, the guys have already discovered that they've disappeared. They've lost and, the nudes. Yeah, and they go, they basically run, the guys run out into the alley and find them right there. So they take off down the alley and reach a chain link fence that's chained shut, and they run into the door that's like right next to it, and they run literally like down this hallway through a curtain, and they are on the stage in this blues club that is just <laughs> jam-packed with people and the guys are just finishing a song and they go to like move and this like fellow with the guitar total badass like hardcore sort of like old-timey blues character the kind of guy who like like the last time his lips and jaw moved were like 1971 right yeah. this dude's jaw is completely set and he can communicate everything that he needs to communicate by talking through a completely unmoving and stoic expression and he goes ain't nobody leave this place without singing the blues and he just kind of like uses his guitar to sort of block them from leaving and she's she's like what he goes ain't nobody leave this place without singing the blues and so they end up singing the babysitting, babysitting blues. blues, fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Like it was a musical number in the middle of the movie, but it didn't feel like a musical. Like it, it felt very organic. Yeah, you know. No, it, she 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 introduces herself, and after she's like, "Hey, my name is Chris Parker." Then you get that classic blues riff. And they just, she starts telling the story, and then they go in riffing, and he's like, I got the babysitting blues. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Uh, and they're, <laughs> the, three, the three kids are, like, singing back up, and, you know, the whole club, like, the, the whole club is completely silent, like, pin drop silent, staring at them, like, what the fuck are you doing on the stage? So after they begin playing, like, the club starts warming up, and by the end of their song, the club is going absolutely bananas. <laughs> total bad shit. And they literally like leave the stage into a crowd that is like standing ovation, high five them, and like doing this whole thing. And um, and the bad guys have kind of like snuck in through the back. And I think it's around this time that like both the bad guys and the kids are in the club at the same time. But the the club is so crowded that like the kids are kind of making their way for the door. And the bad guys kind of can't make their way there. They get confronted by the bluesman. Yeah, by the same guy. And he says the exact same thing <laughs> yeah. to him. Ain't nobody leave this place without singing the blues. And kind of pushes his guitar. And he's basically like, nope, no leaving. And so, like, basically that that holdup from the, leads, the lead singer and guitarist allows them to sort of make their escape. Yeah. And that's good. So they, they 
run out of there and is the next stop the I think it's the, the frat house well so they there's a yeah, there's the a Kappa party there's a brief scene where they're sort of walking along train tracks in and amongst some of the more like derelict members of society yeah so there's like a bunch of hobos around a trash can fire and a couple of shall we say ladies of the evening uh street walkers they was hookers they was hookers uh, and Daryl immediately we, finds them. Oh, women yeah, of ill repute. <laughs> I don't know about ill. They look pretty healthy. But Daryl, Daryl straight up like runs off from the group. And before we even know why, Brad is like sort of declaring his feelings for Chris. Oh yeah, yeah. With with no no compunction. Just, no, you know. No, he's like, you shouldn't be with Mike. You know, you know. Like, give the other guys a chance. And she's like, oh yeah, guys like what? And he's like, uh, I I don't know. I mean, like for example, me. Come on. And she laughs in his face. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a good line, but it probably wouldn't work. And then he immediately he's <laughs> like he's like you're just a silly girl. What do you know? La, 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 you know. My feelings are hurt. And he, like, prances away. Yeah. But then we find Daryl talking to one of the ladies of the evening of ill repute streetwalker prostitute hookers. Is that a night pigeon? I, I believe so, yeah. A night pigeon. That's it. <laughs> a night pigeon. I believe but they th- call those bats, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> no, you're night pigeon man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> Does anything come of his conversation with the... No, they didn't actually get to do anything. Uh, it does so remind it, it them. It reminds them that... So, the, the lady of the night, it turns out that she is... 17 the, years she's old. She's 17. She's the same age as, as Elizabeth Shue's character. And when they ask her, like, why is she on the street? She says, I ran away from home. And that reminds them that, like, fuck... We got a timetable here. Brenda is still stranded. Yeah. And they're walking down the street, and Sarah, the girl, starts complaining about having to go to the bathroom. But before we get to that point, they cut back to Brenda, who is back at the bus station going absolutely batshit crazy and losing her mind because she's stranded there. Somebody may or may not have lifted Brenda's glasses. <laughs> yeah, she's just, like, sitting on a bench. Like, like she's not passed out, but she's just beside herself. She takes her glasses off and sets them down. She's, like, rubbing her eyes, you know. Yeah, and this uh, homeless lady is, like, just kind of sitting next to her and, like, notices that her glasses are put down and just kind of, like, eyeballs them and then, like, kind of slowly, like, inches over and then grabs the glasses, tries them on. They work for her, and so she, like, leaves her kind of tattered sunglasses in place. It's a great little bit. Is the lady actually homeless? Because later we do find out that she lives at the same address as the old man. Right. That's true. In Zerfonenbuthen. Yeah. So, well, who knows? Who knows? It, it, maybe that was her like former address, and she just she's forwarding her mail. Yeah. Brenda mistakes a street rat, and I'm not talking about Aladdin, for a street cat because she can't see, and it just really just dampens her whole night. Yeah, she was petting a rat, which I mean I've had pet rats they're amazing pets they're super smart they're totally hygienic they wash their hands more than people i know were they jumbo sized sewer rats they were not uh, they were not that's a jumbo sized sewer rat that's an r-o-u-s <laughs> it's a rodent of unusual size <laughs> I, hey i've been to the fire swamp i know what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I we'll built, never I, survive i built a summer home there all right you're just saying that because no one ever has <laughs> yeah so the youngling's got a pee so they end up at a kappa party yeah kappa Papa Lappa. Yep. I think it was Kappa Beta Thigh. Papa Kappa? Papa Cap in your ass? Papa Cap up your thigh? Kappa Kappa Feel a Thigh. No cap. No cap. Eh. That's all fact. So they end up at like a bro frat party. University of Chicago. 
And she gets to use the bathroom. Chris, Elizabeth Shue's character, meets a nice older gentleman. He is a a sophomore in college. In the college. He's a Kappa kid. And he treats her right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I thought it was going to be like a weird angle. But, like, he just kind of is genuinely... Yeah, he's, he's a cool just guy. a genuine nice guy. That's the fellow who plays the son-in-law and father of the bride. Yeah. And they end up giving her... $45. $45, yeah. Oh, yeah, because it's... Oh, man. Well, fuck, we missed something. Oh, dude, we skipped a we, huge we, scene. I knew, there was some, I knew there was something we were missing. So uh, after they were coming out of the Blues Club... They um, get on the subway. They they actually get chased by those guys a little bit more. They run into the subway. They jump over the turnstiles. They get into the car. into the train car, and the guys like just miss them. They take off, and they're not in there 30 seconds. And these fellas, your sort of classic... 80s, you know, big city gang, right? Yeah, it's like like the like sharks the intro, and jets, man. It's like the intro scene to the music video. Beat it. Yes, you know? exactly. No, it's exactly like that. Like red pleather bandanas. Yeah. You know, chains, switchblades, and they like West Side Story, baby. They break in on one side of the train, and they're all like tough, and they're all like they're coming like in mass. They're gonna rumble. It's kind of like the blob, like just a blob of people coming in. They're like just starting to process this. And the other side of the train fucking busts open. And there's another blob of people in different colors coming forward. And they're like tough talking each other. And they're, you know, one, one of them owns the train and the other one owns the turf. And, you know, they're about to fight. And she stands up and is like, okay, could you like maybe just wait until like we get off the train? Like it's clear that you two are going to kill each other and that's totally fine. But could you wait until we're off the train to do it? Just wait until we're off the train to murder each other. And the guy says, sit down, bitch. And Daryl goes, oh, are you going to let him talk to her like that? <laughs> and Brad gets up and he's like, Daryl's like, oh God, I was kidding. And he like gets in this like gang guy's face and he's like, you better, you better apologize, blah, blah, blah. And he like insults him and the guy just goes like, you can't keep your foot out of your mouth, kid. Let me help you. And he throws his switchblade into the ground and it like fucking goes through Brad's pins foot. His foot to the- <laughs> pins his foot to the ground. And um, he, he says, don't fuck with the lords of hell. <laughs> and then Chris pulls the knife out of his foot, just waves it in the guy's face, and goes, she goes don't, don't fuck with, with the, the babysitter. babysitter. Don't fuck with the babysitter. <laughs> and he's like, all right, baby, chill out, chill out, chill out. Yeah. So they end up getting out. Getting to a hospital. Yeah, and they have to go to a hospital. Yeah. And um, Luckily, the next stop is the hospital. Yep. So at the hospital, and we can kind of breeze through this so we can get back to what we were talking about, but they bump into JP the uh the tow truck driver and he lets them know i have got your car back at the shop it's been fixed up i paid for the windshield but you gotta pay for the tire it's gonna be 50 bucks yep so just get back to the shop 50 bucks you got your car okay then they then they go wandering end up on sort of skid row and then they end up at the frat party great band so this is why the nice guy at the frat party was willing to to give them the 45 dollars it gets them kind of right up to the point five dollars short uh, of them having enough to get their their car back so in addition to the peeing and the sexy dancing that was going on at this party daryl makes out with a college girl daryl finds companionship companionship exactly a drunken Uh, maiden Drunken Maiden. Drunken Maiden. I was just going to say. Iron Maiden's cover band. Yes. Drunken Maiden. Anyway. Um, but you can't say it like this. Drunken Maiden. Drunken Maiden. <laughs> Drunken Maiden, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. Play Aces Fly. <laughs> 
Sunshine of the Sun Sun. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> Drunken maiden. That's why they leave in such a hurry is he finds companionship, starts making out with this chick, and it turns About out... to get in a fight with her boyfriend. Yeah, it turns out her boyfriend did not take kindly to that, which, like... To you be know, fair, I mean, he's a big, dumb bohunk. He's just such a big, dumb bohunk. Like, I just... And Daryl, I mean, admittedly, he's a he's small... A little dumb he's, a, he's a little dumb bohunk, but, like, still, it's not reason to get your, you know, sort of knickers in a twist. You can't or... put your big, dumb bohunk paws all over a little, dumb bohunk just for no. kissing your girl. No. that I mean, that's what I mean, they he say. didn't touch her. He's just a child. <laughs> he, he did say that. It gets a little dark when you start thinking <laughs> about <laughs> the way he put it. The way he put it, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, he started swapping genders. Things get real, real uncomfortable. <laughs> but uh, they end up sort of leaving the party in a hurry, shall we say. And new handsome guy yes. drives them to Dawson's garage and then... Which is adjacent to the creek, I think. Yeah. Yes, Before that's right. Before the creek, after the laboratory. Which has been a, a absolutely just like a nightmare from an environmental standpoint. Oh, yeah. Runoff from the garage. I mean, you've got... You've got Oil, chemicals, you got windshield wiper fluid. All the slag all, from all, the welding. Yes, running into the creek. Yeah. I mean, I... That's why there was all the drama. That's, yeah, that's oh it. Oh, my God. Vanderbeek was pissed. I mean, at least three of those characters in Dawson's Creek had lead poisoning as a result yeah. of this. The beak from the creek. Creek beak. Yeah, he's, he's James Vanderface when, yeah. when it started. Yeah. And then he mutated and... and had you know that beat grow and they're like you know i don't know if this fits him anymore you know vanderbeek actually made his own line of jeans and the tagline was you haven't lived till you've put your cheeks in a pair of beaks oh man that's classy i would buy them just because of that tagline yeah 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 for sure uh so they end up at dawson's garage and against the better judgment of everybody in the movie and all of the viewing audiences who've ever seen this movie, she allows the guy, it not only allows him, but instructs him to leave without confirmation that they have, in fact, retrieved the car and everything is fine. They walk into this, like, vacant garage and this elevated platform being lowered with, like, fucking compressed air being blown around is very dramatic. Giant uh, piston with like a welded platform starts descending with just compressed air shooting off like an 80s music video it's dry ice bro yeah it's a lot of dry ice be- better than wet ice and Fucking uh thor and thor descends vincent or or vincent d'onofrio or mr dawson dawson it's creek creek uh yes one of those three things did descend yeah. depending on who you ask it was, it was kind of weird and like his character he almost got the impression that like this guy was not playing with a full deck you know did you I, that was kind of my impression. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I never really got that impression from him. That like, yeah. I mean, he's a mechanic in Chicago. I think he was just an asshole. There is that. He certainly, like, his speech didn't suggest that. I don't know, maybe. His hair was far too clean to be a mechanic, though. Okay, so he descends, and immediately Sarah begins, like, bowing to him and, like, pledging her allegiance to him. We should mention Sarah has posters of Thor all over her room. She draws pictures of Thor. She's dressed like Thor. She has Thor's helmet, Thor's cape. She wields a little hammer. And this is not a one-off. Like, literally the entire movie she is wearing Thor's helmet, Thor's cape, Thor's boots, and has Thor's hammer at her side. Yeah. And so they give him the money, and he's like, this is 45, get the fuck out of here, you you owe me 50. And Chris tries to explain, he's like, I don't want to hear it, get out of here, jerks. And Sarah's like, obviously all hurt and offended, and like, I thought you helped people, blah, blah, blah. Then she's like, I know why you're not acting yourself, you don't have your special helmet. So she like, goes to give him her helmet, and it like... 
and his heart grew three sizes that day. It did. It did. And you can now touch him with something less than a 19 and a half foot pole. Yeah. But yeah, no, it really like it changed his disposition. He was like, oh my God, this kid is actually like, you know. Kind of a sweetheart. Yeah. Which actually, I, I do want to rewind for like a real quick for an example of like the wholesomeness of this movie. And that girl, like she's kind of a pain in the ass for a lot of reasons. She definitely doesn't know when to keep her mouth shut. And she like runs off for no reason, like once or twice. And she thinks she's tougher than she is. But she's a very sweet girl and she's very kind and she's very thoughtful. And um they're like the scene when they're in the chop shop and they're like trying to go over the rafters. Daryl says something like, what if I fall? And she goes, I won't let you fall. <laughs> and Daryl goes, thanks, Sarah. Like it was, it was such like a heartfelt scene. Like this oh, eight year old, nine year old girl is going like, I won't let you the like 130, 140 pound, 15 year old boy fall from this girder that we're walking across. <laughs> Uh, so Dawson, he has a change of heart, lets them have it for 45. They get in the car and leave. They are on their way to pick up Brenda and they end up inadvertently pulling up in front of a French restaurant, which just so happened to be where Elizabeth Shue's boyfriend, Mike, who canceled on her in the beginning of the movie, uh, was going to take her, uh, you know, that was the reason she was getting ready in the beginning of the movie. And she gets all like depressed and she's like, oh, that's where I was supposed to go with Mike tonight. Meh. And Daryl says, well, it looks like he may have gone without you, or he still went, or something like that. And Mike's Camaro is sitting there with the license plate. So, so cool. cool. So cool. <laughs> so cool. So cool. Um, so, naturally, she feels a certain way about that. Why? Well, you know, eh, I, you know, I think... Girls get a little sensitive when their boyfriends lie to them. Monogamy. Ugh. <laughs> That's what I say. That's what Mark says. <laughs> My daughter says that a lot too. She does. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. I think she's trying to say the same thing. Yeah. Monogamy. 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 Sorry. Right. <laughs> I was going to keep going. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> all night. I'll go all night. Uh, she confronts Mike the D bag. So cool. So cool. Uh, it's, it goes exactly how you would expect, right? Yeah, she yeah, goes yeah. and confronts him, like, you're an asshole, blah, blah, blah. Um, Brad gets in his face, then Daryl kicks him in the butt, and he ends up, like, falling on a fucking table, and it's it's pretty glorious. Yeah. And, and all this time, little Sarah is no longer in the scene. Yeah, there was, a, there was a dessert cart, and they show her, like, going to pick up one of the desserts, and then she just, like, fucking disappears. Turns out that she ran down the road to go and look at toys in a toy store window, and the bad baddies find her. And they try and get her in the car. She fucking takes off running. As one does. As one does. When bad baddies are chasing you, what are you going to do? Not going to stand there. Nope. Who are you going to call? I mean, if Ghostbusters' line is busy... Then you look look for your daddy's skyscraper. In 1987, presumably the Ghostbusters' line was very busy. Oh, I believe it. You got to run. Right. right. Uh, And her dad works in a very distinct building in downtown Chicago. So she runs towards that. After the confrontation with Mike, Chris and the boys realize that Sarah's not there. They run around trying to find her. They see the building and realize she probably ran there. And they all head to the skyscraper. So Sarah goes through the revolving door and the big bad baddies are right behind her on her tail. And they get pinned in the door because she's, you know, pushing it open. And one of the bad baddies rips her Thor cape off and it goes, you know, just off to the side. She runs in, jumps into the elevator, 
presumably to go to the floor where her parents are and ends up going to the very tippy top of the skyscraper, which appears to be under construction in a diehard sort of way. You know, there's just like cables and spools of stuff and like there's a window that's open. So generic construction. Yeah. So she runs toward the window, as one does. No, of course. And starts scaling the building. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So she does that. The bad guys are kind of like, again, right on her tail. When she's in the elevator, she's got some of that uh, snack still on her finger. So she hits two different buttons. And so they, they separate. One of them goes to, to one of the buttons with like the smudge on it. The other goes the other. There's this fun little bit where the baddiest of bad guys, the... The boss. King baddie. Yeah. King baddie boss. Uh, he ends up in the same King room. Batty. Dude, King Batty. I'm sorry. Like, King Batty? That's a fucking band. Yeah. What, what is what is King King Batty? What are, what are they? I feel like King Batty could either be a rapper or, like, a 1980s, like, hair metal band. Oh, see, uh, King Batty gave me, like, 2005 pop punk vibes. Oh. Ah, okay. I was thinking it was, like, a David Lee Roth thing where, like, maybe he started in a band and then just kind of went solo with King Batty. Oh, like, yeah. Like Ozzy or... Like Sebastian Bach. Jesus, Danzig. we're all over the place. Yeah, so is King Batty. King Batty cannot be pinned down. No. no. King no. Batty is... He's everywhere. That's the one thing that you that we know about him. Or her, really. That's true. Or them. Could be. It's Could 2022, be. man. You can be whatever you want. I'll be whatever I want to do. Yeah. That's... I'll, yeah. I'll do whatever I want to be. I'm going to be that what you do. <laughs> oh, no. He's going to beat it on our dues. Ah! Not good. Not good. <laughs> Panic. Panic. Scatter. Okay. So, babysitter, rest of the kids, catch up with, or they they end up figuring out that, yes, Sarah went to mommy and daddy's building. Yep. Um, so they go up in there. There's some funny shtick where both the babysitter and the bad baddie are in the same room that the parents are in. It's just, you know, it's fun hijinks. Very hijinkical. Hijankies. So Ooh, they see Sarah in the window. Yeah, so Chris sees Sarah in the window. She and the boys go a few floors up. The other chocolatey button. Um, ooh, chocolate button. Mm. Ooh, the chocolate button is definitely... We all know what the chocolate button is. You get the goop doop don't tap on the chocolate button or you get the goop doop So there is one really delightful scene. Uh, Can we keep going with the chocolate button? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm all for the chocolate button. You, it, it, anybody that's, that knows me knows that I'm all about no, the chocolate No, you like button. the chocolate button. We know that. We I know that. We, yeah, you've got a chocolate button. I've got a blooming onion. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't even want to know what I got. <laughs> I can tell stories. Get the sad grape. I get the sad... <laughs> don't saddle me with that. <laughs> like a pre-raisin. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a whole bunch of grapes. <laughs> no, admittedly, they're all sad, but it's... it's All right, it's hemorrhoids. <laughs> the fruit has turned. Like the grapes of wrath. <laughs> It's just uh, one they move rectum. on from anger and just go into depression. It's just one lone rectum. Do do, do the sad grapes grow from the chocolate button? I think so. I if think you push so. the chocolate button too hard, you get sad grapes. Yeah, like you get a blooming you get a blooming onion. But if you just keep pushing it, you'll get sad grapes. Yep, it's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I, the the lesson here, let's be honest, is just don't don't, don't poke the chocolate don't button. Poke the chocolate button. Um, because you will get the goopa doop. Yeah, oh. and that will undoubtedly turn into a blooming onion, or God forbid, sad grapes. Just don't keep pushing the button. Uh, so they run up to 
well before we get before we go back to that uh there's a delightful scene in which the the king baddie has cornered chris at the party and chris is like hiding under a table from brad and sarah's parents and he sees her and he's like you looking for something (laughs) looking for something and then Brad and Sarah's parents mistake him for like one of the wait staff and they're asking him or like questions. a member of the party, I think, right? Yeah. Like, it's just like they think he's there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they start asking questions about the food. They're like, Oh my god, have you had one of these? And he's like, Excuse me. <laughs> and then they're like, Do you have the name of the caterer? And he goes, Caterer Caterer What the fuck are you talking about? And it's just like look he He's just a caricature. He's he, like a cartoon character. He's such an amazing 80s villain. Oh, the best. Yeah, so then they all run upstairs after escaping King Batty and see Sarah hanging off the building with Prince Batty. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to get Sarah, and Sarah's trying to get away from him. So Chris and the boys lower one of the ropes down to collect Sarah and she like scales the building back inside the window. Yeah, I think one thing we if we haven't mentioned we should mention is this building uh, is sort of built as like think of like sort of an octagonal prism right like looking down on it it's kind of like an octagon moving up and then it's got like maybe a 45 degree cut through it um, so the top of the building actually like runs on an, a bit of an angle and so that's the part they're on the part that's sort of sloping down not like they're not hanging off the side of the building straight up and down right which is why they're able to kind of cling to the windows a little bit and so they they end up pulling up sarah they turn around and joe's there and joe says uh i need you to give me the playboy because this is actually what they're after yep and then the bad baddie shows up joe punches him like a badass throws the magazine on him and leaves leaves they run in in a very short order pick up brenda they go back to the house and on the way they pass the parents who are on their way home so it's a very ferris bueller style montage where like they're trying to get home before the parents they know the parents are en route and they like go super fast run in the house they all go upstairs get ready chris cleans the house real quick and like literally jumps over the couch and opens a magazine the right second, as they walk the in the door second the parents walk in the door yeah. and then you know sort of classic like oh, any troubles nope no troubles nah Yep, I don't, it wasn't, it, it wasn't Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse didn't deliver it. I, I don't know why I did that voice, but... Golly gee Wilkers! Oh, boy! Ho-ho! Golly, <laughs> that sure was fun! I'm just reading the magazine! Ho-ho! It's not a playboy! <laughs> not this time. I'm not on page 36! Ho-ho! <laughs> Somebody poked his chocolate button. <laughs> That's gross. Okay. ho 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 that's so nasty. Okay, uh, movie pretty much just wraps up. Yeah, I would like, say roll credits. Like the charming college guy returns one of Sarah's skates that she forgot in his car, and Chris bumps into him on her way out. They kiss. Roll credits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a pretty solid movie. Fucking banging. Movie. I love this movie. You, you made mention about it's like like a wholesome movie, and like when the bad guys just get punched. And then that's it. They just <laughs> leave them there. Like that's like an example of that. You just know, drop like a sack of potatoes. You know, you just just punch the bad guy, and well, that's that's it for him. Yep. He's they done. didn't take like the reciprocating saws that were like sitting to the side and like saw their head off just to make sure they're not coming after. Yeah. 
Nope, just punched him. Didn't just tie him up, didn't, you know, nothing. Didn't burn their fingertips off with acid. Nope. Not this time. Not that's this time. that's in the sequel. That's in the sequel. Adventures in Babysitting 2, Electric Boogaloo. Ooh. <laughs> so what what are some things that we really liked about this movie? The acting in particular, I, I can't say enough good things about Elizabeth Shue. She is phenomenal. She's amazing. Even though his part was very small in the movie, Vincent D'Onofrio's role was just, like, top-notch. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I, I, I really wouldn't stop there, though. I would say, like, the, there was not a single character, minor or major in this movie, who's that didn't act, deliver. Who, whose acting was not superb. I honestly cannot point to a single character and be like, they didn't act well. Yeah. Even once. And yeah. It, it certainly helps, too, that, like, the side characters are meant to be caricatures, really. Yes. Oh, so, yeah. as long as, like, your main cast was able to kind of, like, nail the roles, the funny, overly animated mannerisms and appearances of everybody around them... They could go as big as they wanted. Yeah. 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 Like the, the old the old man with the phone booth? You're in my home! Get out of my house! <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was definitely solid. I really enjoyed the uh, the soundtrack. I was getting. I was that, say I that have too. a note for that myself. The soundtrack is fucking outstanding. Fucking bangers the whole way. Yeah, I, there wasn't like a score that really jumped out to me, but the the soundtrack, all the all the little songs that kind of played throughout, I just loved it. Oh, it, yeah. it, it, it it was very unrightfully so very blues heavy. Yeah, which like seems I I honestly don't know because it's been so long since I've seen this movie for the first time. Maybe Mark, maybe you can weigh in on this, but like. It seems like if you actually thought about it in the beginning, maybe you'd be like, that's kind of a curious choice. It's so obvious once you've seen the movie why they chose that sort yeah. of like, to me, it seemed so fitting. But again, I'm probably super biased because the first time I saw this movie, I, you know, I don't even remember the first time I saw this movie. Like, but no, it's just a, it's every song was amazing and it was curated in a way that makes this movie so different from its contemporaries, but also like pretty much anything since yeah yeah i I agree it it really um it's endearing it was just the right mix of like comedy wholesome and adventure yes right right. uh in the same way that the mummy i would say it's fundamentally different i would say is a perfect mix of those three elements this is a perfect mix of those three elements for what it is. oh for sure um the directing and the writing i mean just like like I said, the movie moves in a very organic way. Yeah. There's one of my biggest issues is like lazy writing. I fucking hate when it's like, oh, we're now in this like new scene or this new act or like this new thing is happening because a character made a really fucking stupid decision that nobody in their right mind would ever fucking make. And we're here and it was just because the writers were too lazy to come up with something better. My This movie was so far from that. Yeah. Like every transition seems so organic. Every character was making perfectly reasonable decisions that led to another series of just crazy outlandish events. But it didn't seem forced. It didn't seem contrived. It seemed so amazingly organic. With the notable exception of her telling Mr. Nice Guy to leave the garage. I think that was kind of necessary Correct. for the story. Correct. But I would ag- I would agree that that that's the only thing that kind of stood out to me as an outlier. Yeah, one of my one of my least favorite tropes is the whole like they get themselves into an impossible scrape and it just leads up to the climax of the event and then it just cuts to them 
you know, coming out of it. And they're like, boy, what a crazy adventure that was. There's no fruition to it. There's no completion. This movie has none of that. Mm-hmm. Like, every wacky scenario that they get themselves into, you watch them get themselves out of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they put a bow on it. Yeah. And getting out of it almost invariably leads to the next thing, which yeah. is which is again like, like we described, like what makes a great. Climbing across the rafters of a chop shop and exiting a second story window onto the roof of the chop shop and escaping down a fire escape. Suddenly, the big bad guys are after them and they're running for their lives again, like almost mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah, uh, I think the way we typically discuss creativity is usually about like more nuanced elements of movies, but I feel like this movie, the creativity was just quite literally about the story. Oh, it's, yeah. it's just, I can't think of another movie that's anything like this. No. It's fairly unique. Yeah. It has elements that are similar. Like, you know, we're drawing comparisons to the the mummy in this, in, you know, they're like the, the actual, like, you know, nuts and bolts of like an action adventure or like, you know, this stuff or that stuff, baby's day out, whatever it happens to be that are just sort of like kind of similar but this movie pretty much stands alone in like the the composite the composite sum of and stands all of, tall all of its pieces. Yeah, I, I I would agree. And again, too, like it's an adventure through and through, but it's still grounded in in reality. The side characters are caricatures, like I've said a couple times, but it's all very just situational. Like this this could happen more or less. Was there anything else that you guys liked um, that you wanted to call out before we move on? I love the special effects. Is all 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 very practical. Yeah, um, there there really aren't any special effects. I mean, there are none. Besides, maybe the sparks flying on the side of the door as they go into the chop shop, but like they're probably I, no, I they looked very real. I bet yeah, you they're they're just real sparks. They're just not made with angle grinders. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, and there'd be you know. there'd be no reason for them to be grinding <laughs> just around the door as you unless they were cutting the door. Uh, was there anything that we didn't like? I hate to say that there's nothing I didn't like. You no. want you want to drum up something? I do. I but do. There, I but I'm I'm right there with you. There's nothing I don't like about this movie. I think the only thing I would say is that Elizabeth Shue's character didn't put up enough of a fight in some of these situations. Like she didn't have the normal amount of reticence that I would have in some of these situations, like being picked up by JP Pruitt on the side of the highway or, you know, just dismissing hot new guy at the garage. You know, those are situations. Dismissing hot new guy. I kind of get like, maybe that was a, that was a flub up. That was a mistake. But like, as far as accepting help from Pruitt, like you got to think pre cell phone, yeah, you're, you're. What else is she gonna do? You are in the city on the side of the expressway. No money, no wallet. N- no money, no wallet. No ID. And what are you gonna do? Ask him for a collateral? Right, and he's literally in a tow truck, willing to tow you for free to a garage and buy you a tire. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you have no options. No. <laughs> um, I I don't have any. I don't think I have any criticisms. I I enjoyed it pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I'm right there with you. Whereas I just don't. You know, I hate to leave a movie without saying something I don't like, but I got nothing. I fucking love this movie. Yeah. And this movie gets, unfortunately for me, this movie gets extra points because of just the nostalgia factor is just so strong. And the hotness factor of Elizabeth Shue. Oh! But no, I mean, it holds up. I don't have any nostalgia for this movie, but it holds up. I'm glad you said that, because, like, that, to me, validates everything that I feel inside. Yeah, no, same. Because, like, I I saw this movie probably 18 or 20 years ago, and it's been so long that it feels like I'm watching it for the first time. 
but then every now and then I'll watch a, a part of it and I'm like, oh my god, I fucking love this scene. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So there is nostalgia there. Yeah. I, mean, I, I suppose the closest thing that I... It did feel very, like, 80s. Th- this isn't a criticism. It, this is... I'm trying to... It's a feature, not a bug. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to, like, like add to, like, this movie's not nostalgic for me, but, like, there are elements within it that feel nostalgic, not because the movie is, but it's just very 80s yes. adventure you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, you don't have to have seen it to connect with the vibe yeah, that it right. puts out. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, I, I love 80s shit, and I just happen to have never seen, you know, The Breakfast Club, and then you watch it, and you're like, fucking right on. Like, that's that's exact, that's my movie. <laughs> I know a ton of people who have never seen The Breakfast Club, and it always astounds me. Oof. That's... They should get on that. I know. Uh, okay, so what quotes we got? So this is a very quotable movie. Fucking um, infinitely quotable. <laughs> Absolutely. I only have, I mean, I have one quote, but like, I mean, I'm laughing and giggling throughout this whole movie. So like I, my one quote is not. Not an accurate reflection of yeah. how quotable this movie is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me set the scene. They hop into the car, lock the doors when they're running away from the guy who was sleeping with JB's wife or whatever. And the salami slipper. The mm-hmm. s- slipper of of Salama and the the carjacker kind of like sits up and they're talking to the carjacker as as he's kind of driving to the chop shop and they're just kind of like asking him or they're, they're just talking about what he does you know isn't this dangerous and he says uh oh, i like danger and chris's character kind of turns well you should you should try babysitting <laughs> <laughs> which i'm i'm pretty sure that line is in the preview it has to be. You know, I have vague recollections of, even though this movie, like, preceded me, especially back in the day with, like, VHSs and shit, you would get ads for other movies, right, at the beginning. Coming and soon to a video store near you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coming soon to home video cassette. <laughs> I, mean, I know you guys have had this experience, right, where you watched a VHS when you were a kid so much that, like, even if you never saw the movies that they were advertising... You can you were, still quote it. You were intimately familiar with those movies because you, you watched those commercials so much. I remember seeing ads for this movie through that medium, and I seem to recall that. Like, I like Danger. You should try babysitting. Yeah, it's just... It's a perfectly quotable little ditty. So I have three quotes. So after they get into J.P. Pruitt's truck, this guy calls in over the CB and he's like, hey, it was, John. It was Dawson. Oh, yeah, it was Dawson. So Dawson gets in on the CB and he's like, hey, John, I just went by your place. Yeah, what did you see? You're not going to like it. What did you see? That car was parked out front. And then J.P. goes, she's with that bastard again. <laughs> Um, (laughs) my second quote is they're on the subway after, you know, a series of unfortunate events and they seem to be safe for the time being. And Chris sort of looks up at the ceiling sort of absentmindedly and goes, Brenda, if you're dead, I wish I was with you. (laughs) That was a good line. My last quote is as they're heading into the chop shop and they see the sparks flying on either side of the garage door, this is my favorite quote. Brad goes, where are we going? And Daryl goes, to hell. Kind of exciting, don't you think? (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, because it does, like, before they, like, get into the shop, like, it's really ominous. 
Uh, okay, I have like a shit ton of quotes because this movie is so fucking horrible. <laughs> I'm going to try and run through these real quick. So when they're driving into the city, Brad, who will not let this, like, you know, Chris has got a boyfriend named Mike thing go, is talking about the boyfriend and asking her questions about him. And it gets revealed that his name is Mike Toddwell and he drives a red Camaro and his license plate is so cool. And Daryl's like, oh, he's the guy who beat me up last summer for touching his car, which I didn't do. And she's like, no, Mike wouldn't do that. And he goes, yes, he did. He kicked my ass. Do you want to see the footprint? (laughs) yeah uh and then when she's she's telling the story she's like she when she's with her again this is the same scene basically they're they're in the car driving into the city and she's telling the ghost story about the guy with the hook hand and she's like and the babysitter checked on the kids and they were fine she breathed a sigh of relief but then she approached the kids' beds, and she looked closer. She realized, they didn't have any faces! And then Sarah just goes, oh, my God! <laughs> oh, my God! It was like, the, they didn't have any faces! <laughs> oh, my yeah. God! That was, it was, was so scene. good. Um, and then there was a line where uh, J.B. Pruitt, after talking to them, and they're, like, sh- scared by his hook hand when they're on the side of this freeway, he goes, you kids must be from the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got two more. I'm sorry. I just, I fucking love the quotes in this movie. Oh, no, I got one more. I already did the, uh, I wouldn't get out of the car in this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So after Brad gets stabbed in the foot in the subway, and they're leaving and they're looking for uh, the hospital, Chris goes down to, like, touch it, and Daryl goes, don't touch it. It could get infected. He could get anything. Tetanus, lockjaw, rabies, scabies, emphysema. <laughs> <laughs> checks out uh it's it's not a quote from this movie but i couldn't resist letting it go because you know how much i love bad puns the scene in which jb pruitt is getting in a fist fight with the salami slipper they're just like throwing punches back and forth and i just leaned over to colin and said you know that jb pruitt's got a mean right hook I had to give it up for that. That was that was that was a pretty sick dad joke. Yeah, Willa, if you're listening to this 20 years in the future, um, your dad's got it. Yeah, he's got it all. Also, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what for yet, but I'm sure you know. He's he's not currently wearing white New Balance shoes, staying green from mowing the lawn. No, you make me take my shoes off because I made him take them off at the door. Yeah. Um. Are we are we Laura Dern? I believe we're Laura Dern. Are we ready to to rate this biatch? Rate. Damave. Alright, I'll uh, jump in here first here. I'm gonna give this bad boy uh man, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna go high with it. I'm gonna go eight point two Yes. Hook hands. Mm. Good answer. Yeah, you took mine. Ooh uh, nice. Now I gotta think of one. That's right. Because I didn't have a backup. I didn't have another one loaded in the chamber. You guys, you guys you just have these fucking backup. You got you guys have these on tap. Yeah. I just don't. <sighs> to be fair, I start thinking of them thirty minutes prior. <laughs> I know that's the thing is I forget to like forget I forget to think about them. All right, I will give this one an eight point four. Miss Marches. Oh, fuck, that's really good. Uh, Miss March. So there's like a running gag that Chris looks a lot like Miss March from that particular Playboy edition that like we see like 50 times throughout this movie. So yeah, it comes up many times. Miss March. Sir Colin. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a thinking good. Thinking spinking. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. I think I got it. <laughs> okay. So I actually like, I was going to give this 
movie an 8.2 like Mark. I actually had that rating from like early on. Um, but because you went 8.4, I actually think I'm going to go 8.3 mm. and just go right in between you guys. Yeah, right in the middle. So Like a sandwich. I'm actually, and I, I'm going to mention that I think this is the most clustered we've ever been on a movie. I think you're right. And it's I'm shocked that it's so high. Like it's, we're not just clustered. We're not like clustered at like 6.7. We're clustered at We're the clustered top. pretty fucking high. Um, so I'm going to go 8.3 Jumbo Sewer Rats. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to kill it. <laughs> uh, so good. Okay, so uh, are we learned it? I think so. All right. Well, uh, that is all for the All Crap Review. Thank you for listening. If you have ideas for movie reviews, please email us at 3, that is the number 3, men and a basement at gmail.com. Please be sure to check out the Andersons. Oh, yeah. Who have been touring since 1971. They are all in their like mid to late 60s, and they sound just awful. Yeah. Um, Tinnitus and... Emphysema. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, rabies, rabies, scabies, scabies, you name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been all over the subway system in Chicago. Yeah. Parts of them are still there. When they can actually make it on stage, uh, they are joined typically by 38 Caliber Phallus. Oh, yeah. Do not miss their song, Cold Steel, because that is primo. Mm -hmm. I mean, Um, the lead singer is a big dick, but... Oh, total dick. I mean, 38 Caliber dick at least. Dick of a high caliber, we should say. Yeah, And, you know, if you can find him, her, them, they, go check out King Batty, because it's a hell of a show, but you might not be able to find him. And then... It's very mysterious. No, yeah, no. I mean, just, I have no idea. King Batty is... Terribly mysterious. Terribly mysterious. That's that's his power. He's mysterious. That's terribly mysterious. <laughs> uh, and then, whatever you do, uh, opening up for all of these bands, do not miss... Junkin' Maiden! Junkin' Maiden! Yeah! Play Freebird! <laughs> Guar adjacent. Um, Jog for the hills is one of my favorites. Jog for the hills, but not too fast. Jog for your life, cause I'm out of breath. <laughs> Checking the Fitbit. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying we make other people laugh because we probably don't, but I laugh pretty hard. Yeah, we, you know, we make we make ourselves laugh, and that's that's what matters, right? <laughs> that's, that's why if you here. can't it's, laugh at yourself, right? This is it's the power of friendship. Yeah, am I right? Uh, all right, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you find your podcasts. And until then, I am Colin McLeod, Mark Culp here, Action Jackson, and we will. Uh, See you in cyberspace. Junk Invader! Junk Invader! Resner!